Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love in Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me this morning. I hope you are all doing well today and having a good Sunday. I know some of you are on your way to church. Some of y'all tell me that, hey, if I hear you on the radio, that means I'm running late. So (laughs) if that's you, hurry up, get to church. (laughs) But just glad to have you this morning, whether you're going to church, coming back from church, whether you are sitting in in a jail cell, because we do have prisoners who listen, you may be sitting in your car listening this morning, or listening on the Joy FM app, or online, however you're listening. Thank you for joining me this morning, and I just pray God will bless you throughout this day, and I pray he'll bless this time that we have together. If you missed recent Sunday mornings with Love and Action, the past four episodes, the past month, were recorded from Nepal. And I was joined by my brother Jim Lanley, and we had just an awesome time recording while we were in Nepal. And obviously, I'm back in Alabama now, Martha and I both have. We have been back since the end of September, but just wanted to do those recordings overseas and just let you know what was going on over there. If you missed those episodes, then I encourage you to check out our podcast, the Love and Action Podcast. You can find it pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And just check those out. I think it'll bless you and give you an idea of what's going on over in the beautiful country of Nepal, one of the unreached areas of the world. This morning, we are going to dive into the Word, and we're going to look at Jesus through the covenants. And before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we are so thankful. We're thankful to be here this morning, Lord. You've given us another day to live for you. I pray we'll live it well. Father, I thank you we have the opportunity to open up your word this morning and teach it and study it and just let your Holy Spirit minister to us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, teach us and pray that we will be doers of your word and not hearers only. Father, I lift up everyone who's listening today. God, you know where each one is at. You know each situation, each need, each heartache, each celebration. Lord, we just lift them all up to you, Father. And Father, just ask that you just touch and bless each one today. And Father, if anyone is listening who do not have that relationship with you, Jesus, I pray that today is their day. They will call on the name of Jesus and be saved. And Father, we again thank you for this time. We praise you and we love you. And it's in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here recently, there have been some pastors and some very famous pastors talking about some things that I won't say borderline heresy, they are heresy. Things including the affirmation of the LGBT lifestyle and things that are just so contrary to the Bible. And we're not getting into that topic today. But what I want to talk about today is there's been some pastors who have said that the Old Testament is irrelevant for today that you could unhinge it, as one said, from the New Testament. And that's not correct. The Bible is 66 books, and we need all of them. And they all work together. And as you study the Word of God and deeply study the Word of God, you see how it's all connected. It's fascinating, and it's beautiful how God weaved all of these stories together from Genesis to Revelation, and we need the Old Testament, we need the New Testament. And today, we're going to talk about how Jesus is connected through the Old Testament, through the covenants leading up to the New Covenant. The Old Testament, as we will see, is very relevant for today and actually for any day. And the Old Testament, when we look at it, it's really our guide for reading forward to the New Testament. 
And the Old Testament's about expectation, about what's to come. We're promised the Messiah and who the Messiah is, who he will be. And in the New Testament, it's about recollection. And we look back at the Old Testament and how God predicted all these through the prophets, all these prophecies, the, these messianic prophecies in particular, that Jesus fulfilled. And so you have to have both. If you don't have the Old Testament, you can't recall what God is doing in Christ in the New Testament. So the Gospels, they help us to see what's already in Old Testament text. And the Old Testament prepares the way for the New Testament. And the Old Testament prepares the way for the Incarnation. Therefore, the Old Testament prepares the way for Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Messiah. And we just have to remember that we need them both. We need the Old Testament. We need the New Testament. As we're reading the New Testament and we're looking back at the Old Testament, it really allows, allows us to see these prophecies fulfilled progressively to begin to shape our understanding of the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. And think about it this way. If we just had the New Testament, then we wouldn't really know why we needed a Messiah and why Jesus is that Messiah. Uh, we need the New Testament text to show us that and to tell us what's going on and who is the Messiah, who is the Savior of mankind. And we know that that's Jesus, but we know that through reading Old Testament and the New Testament. So we need them both. And today we're going to look at the Messiah through the covenants. And I hope this will give you some good points that you can share with others. Who, if you come across anybody, if you're a believer in it, if you come across anyone says, well, you know what, the, the Old Testament we don't really need anymore. You can say, wait a second, here's one example of why we do need the Old Testament. But it goes so much deeper than what I get to share in the next 20, 25 minutes. And it's really a, a great study that um, I hope we get to dig into uh, deeper uh, as we go along. But Today, we will look at our Messiah, Jesus Christ, through the scriptures and focusing again on the Messiah through the covenants. When reading the Bible, uh, ask yourself this, what's the, the main story here? What's the grand storyline of the Bible? And really, the apex of the Bible is Jesus Christ. Uh, we see the history of salvation playing out across the entire Bible. And so the Bible is a book about Jesus Again, we don't have time to get into a whole theological course today, but we're going to look at it and see that Jesus is. He is throughout Scripture. The first thing I want to talk about is when God first announces the gospel. And when we think about the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word gospel means good news. We often think about the New Testament because that's when Jesus is born and we see him live his life and a perfect life. We see him die on the cross and rise again and ascends to heaven with the promise of his return. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. But while we see it so much in the Old Testament, that brings a greater depth, a greater understanding of the gospel message. And we see God the Father introduce the need for Messiah in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And that's after the fall, after the serpent, Satan, had tempted Adam and Eve, and they partook in the fruit that they should not have partaken in, that God commanded them not to, and so they sinned, and that brought separation between man and God. And we see right there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God tells Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel, her offspring. 
of course, is Jesus. And it's interesting, the use of the word offspring, or in some translations like the King James, uses the word seed. Eve, we know she would have many other children. But God chose to say offspring or seed, singular. See, God is obviously referring to an individual. And this verse is pointing to the Messiah. And then later in Genesis, in chapter 4, verse 25, Eve gives birth to Seth. And the storyline that we're reading through the Bible all of a sudden pivots. And we start looking at a single line of Seth's descendants. And you follow that through, and we see that the descendants from Seth will eventually produce a king through which all nations of the earth will be blessed. And we'll get into that in a moment. That's a little bit later in chapter 12 of Genesis when the Abrahamic covenant is introduced. But also notice that the offspring, the Messiah, will bruise the head of Satan, meaning Satan's going to be destroyed. And we also see there in Genesis 3.15 that the Messiah, he's going to be bruised. You know, his heel's going to be bruised by the head of Satan. But we also know he's going to be victorious because Satan is going to be destroyed. And we read in Isaiah 53, verse 5, a prophecy about the Messiah, a messianic prophecy. Isaiah writes, but he, talking about the Messiah, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And we go forward into the New Testament, to the Gospels, and we see where Jesus was beaten, and he was bruised, and he was tortured, unbelievably tortured. But he was bruised very badly. But he crushed Satan's head when he came out of that grave, rose again to live and to reign forever. So we see the Messiah is going to be bruised, and we even read that in in Isaiah, and we see that he is. But we also see the Messiah is going to, bruised the head of the snake, Satan, and we see that happening in the New Testament. And so it's just awesome how the Bible puts this all together, and all 66 books come together to tell us about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Let's look at covenants now. What is a covenant? Well, the easy answer is it's a relationship based on a promise. And we see throughout Scripture that God is a God of covenant because God is a God of promise, and he keeps his promises. As we read through the Old Testament, we see that these covenants, all the covenants of the Bible, and we're going to talk about the main ones, some of the main ones today, but there's a number of covenants in the Bible. But these covenants are the backbone of the Bible's story, and it points to Jesus Christ. It points to his death, burial, resurrection, and his return. The covenants are signposts that tell us what it is that God has for us as he reveals his nature to us and his purpose. We see all of that in these covenants, and the covenants are all, they're all interconnected. God's covenants are really the underpinning of God's relationship with his people, and these covenants ultimately teach us the character of God, and they also teach us the character of humanity. So there's a lot in these covenants. And that's why I said we're not taking a deep dive, don't have time to take a deep dive into each covenant today. But there's so much in these covenants. And as we study them, we see the character of God. We see the character of humans, of humanity. And we see how these covenants all point to the Messiah. And we also understand that these covenants, they're a learning device. What I mean by that is to be in covenant with God means... We can't lie because God doesn't lie. It means we can't commit adultery because God is faithful. And we can't make an 
God into an image because God is not of this world. He's distinct. He's different. We see all these things revealed through covenants. And so the main covenants that we're going to look at today, uh, we're going to talk about the covenant God made with Noah in Genesis chapter 6 through chapter 9. We're going to talk about the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 12 through 22, the Mosaic covenant in Exodus chapter 19 through 24, and the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And then we're going to talk about the new covenant. And for the new covenant, we're not just going to look at the New Testament. We're going to see how the Old Testament actually talks about this new covenant, specifically in Jeremiah chapter 31. But we also read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and in Ezekiel chapter 36. But first, let's start out with the covenant that God made with Noah. Noah and his family, we remember, if, if you're familiar with the story of Noah, Noah built an ark because God had looked upon the earth and saw how wicked man had become, and he was just going to wipe out everything on earth with a flood. And he had told Noah to build this ark that he and his family would be on, plus all the animal, all these animals he, that God's going to going to bring for him to put onto the ark. And so we see, reading that story, that Noah and his family were saved from the wrath of God in that ark uh, when the flood came. We look at that as Jesus is like our ark. He saves us from the wrath of God. The wrath of God came on the earth, and he flooded the earth, and he saved Noah through this ark. And the wrath of God is coming on this earth again not as a flood, but his wrath is coming against sinful man because sin is disobedience. Disobedience deserves punishment, which is justice. And Jesus has come to save us from God's wrath. So that's why I say Jesus is our ark. He delivers us from the wrath of God. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath of God to come. So we see that Jesus has delivered us, or he offers that to us. Now, the question is, have you received his forgiveness? Have you received his deliverance? And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, then he will forgive you of your sins, and he will keep you for all eternity. And when the wrath of God comes, Jesus has taken that for us already. And so he keeps us safe. He saves us from the wrath of God. And just as God provided that way for Noah, he does the same with Jesus, for he provides a way to save mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. So Noah and the ark is a foreshadowing of Jesus. And God saved mankind with the ark. God saves mankind from his wrath through Jesus Christ. And we know that the rainbow is a reminder of the Noah covenant and when we see one, we should remember God's covenant with Noah and remember his promise to send the Messiah. And he made good on that promise, as he always does on his promises. So that rainbow, every time I see that rainbow, I think about Noah. I think about the covenant God made with Noah and how he promised to never flood the entire earth again. And then also knowing that he's promised a Messiah and he sent the Messiah in Jesus Christ and I've put my faith in Jesus. I know he's my Savior. He's my Lord. And so I know that I've been forgiven, and I have eternal life, and all because of Jesus. Jesus has done it all. God sent his one and only Son 
to bring salvation to mankind. And that's just awesome. And just praise God for that. Praise God for his covenant with Noah and what it all means. And again, we're not taking that deep dive, so we're going to move on to to the Abrahamic covenant and look at that real quickly. Uh, Let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. I just love reading about Abraham. What a man of faith. I mean, God tells him, look, you to take yourself and your family and move. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where you're going yet. I'll tell you when you get there. <laughs> and Abraham listened to him. He was faithful. And God made a covenant with him, said, I will make you a blessing to all nations. And right there, God is showing us that this blessing is not just going to be for the Jews who come from Abraham but to the Jews and to the Gentiles, to those of us who are not of Jewish descent. That blessing is going to be for all nations, for all of us, for all of mankind. And he makes that covenant with Abraham. And God promises that Abraham will make you a blessing to all nations. And so what that is, that's that's one of blessing and of redemption. And it's the, the redemptive history that we read throughout the Bible. And it's its fulfillment is in Jesus. And we read about that when the new covenant comes in in Luke chapter 22, verse 20. And so this covenant with Abraham, it's one of blessing. It's one of redemption. And we see it fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, we read, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it was written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Praise God. Our God is awesome. Jesus, he is the one who God will bless all nations, including us Gentiles. He is in the lineage of Abraham, and everybody loves to read the genealogies in the Bible, right? Yeah, not so much, huh? but you know, they're in there for a reason. And when we understand genealogies better, we understand the, the lineage of Abraham, of David. They do become a lot more interesting, but still, I know it can be tough to get through sometimes. But through those genealogies, we see that God's promise of Messiah is progressing through the story of the Bible. And we see how it all points to Jesus and how the genealogies all come to Jesus. And so it's just awesome to see that. So that's just a quick look at the Abrahamic covenant, and we can see clearly that Jesus is in that covenant as he's going to be the one who comes from the lineage of Abraham to be that blessing to all the nations, including us Gentiles. Well, let's look at Jesus in the Mosaic covenant. Now, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and the rules that followed after the Ten Commandments. And then Moses confirmed the covenant with the people of Israel. And we see in Exodus chapter 24, verse 8, And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So imagine sitting there. I know in modern day that's kind of like, ooh, he threw blood on people. (laughs) But 
you have to have blood to cover sins for a sin sacrifice. And so the sacrificial system was set up, and that's how they did it. That's what took place. That's when, when the covenant of Moses was confirmed by the people. That's what happened. But then we see in the New Testament, and Luke, again, Luke chapter 22, verse 20, when Jesus says, this cup which is poured out for you is the covenant in my blood. He's likening the Christian communion, as we call it now, the communion or the Lord's Supper, to the Old Testament peace offering. The blood of Jesus cleanses, purifies us from our sins. So you see the connection there with the blood. The blood of Jesus cleanses and purifies us from our sins. And the the Mosaic law, the thing about it is that it reveals our sins to us, and it reveals that we need a Savior. We have sinned, and we need a Savior to save us from our sins. And as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And it's important to see that Jesus obeyed the law, and he fulfilled it. He obeyed everything in the law, fulfilled it completely. We could not, man could not obey the law completely And Jesus came, and he lived it, and he accomplished it. He fulfilled it. And the sacrificial system of the Mosaic Covenant, it didn't take away sins. You know, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4 reads, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So we read that in Hebrews, and that's why Jesus had to come, the perfect sacrifice that his blood, not the blood of an animal, but the blood of the Messiah will cleanse us of our sins, make us perfect, bring us back into relationship with the Father. The law doesn't save people. It didn't. didn't save people. That's why God planned all the way, as we read back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, planned for a Messiah to come. And the law has no power to give people new life. Jesus does. It was a foreshadow of Jesus bearing our sins on the cross. And now Jesus is our high priest, and Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And you can read Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28 about that. And so we read in the New Testament that the Mosaic, or it's also called the Old Covenant, was replaced by the New Covenant in Christ. And we can read about that, and I'm going to give you some scripture here. We're not going to read them, but if you can write them down. Uh, Again, Luke chapter 22, verses 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 and verses 13, and then Hebrews 9, 15, and also Hebrews 12, 24. I know that's a lot of scripture right there. Maybe you can go back on the podcast and write that down if you weren't able to write that down. But it's talking about how the Mosaic or the Old Covenant was replaced by the New Covenant in Christ. Now, the important thing to remember about the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, is God's moral laws never change. 
we still don't need to murder people or commit adultery or use the Lord's name in vain, etc. You know, just take those ten commandments and read them. And we see that so much of the law on earth here in the U.S. and many other countries are really based on God's law. And so the morality of his laws is still there. So we have that moral law. And it's important to keep that. You know, God gave us these laws and these Ten Commandments for our our betterment. Because think about it. If you kill somebody, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to end up in prison. And depending on what state you're in, you may receive the death penalty and be executed yourself. Committing adultery, unfaithfulness leads to so many hurts, so many pains. And that can also lead to death, too, depending on the other spouses that are involved. So, you know, just... All of these things God tells us not to do, it's not that, you know, he's up there saying, I'm going to make him not do anything. No, he's watching out for us. He's protecting us. And he wants us to have a good life and live a good life. And we see that in his law. But then we see the fulfillment of that. For eternity, we can live with Jesus. And he forgives us for our sins. Because none of us, none of us are perfect. None of us have been able to keep the law. And when we have sinned, we have messed up. God has forgiven us if we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And you may be saying, well, Ken, I am a believer, but I still mess up. Well, join the rest of the club. (laughs) We're not perfect, but let's do this. Let's don't focus on the not being perfect part. Let's focus on we have a Savior who forgives us. And then in 1 John 1, 9, John writes, Confess your sins to God, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. That was written to the church. So when we do sin, when we do disobey, then we ask God to forgive us and and to cleanse us and, and ask him to help us not to do that again. It's part of sanctification. And so let's focus on our Savior who forgives us and that we want to become more like him, and we can through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we can strive for that perfection. And as the word says, be holy as he is holy. We can do that through Christ alone. So again, let's don't focus on, oh, I'm just a pitiful sinner saved by grace. Yes, we are. But praise God, if we're walking with Christ, we're in his word, we're around other believers, uh, encouraging one another, we're praying often, we're serving him, then we're becoming more and more like him. And so let's focus on that and let's strive to be more and more like Jesus. And we are out of time. Wow, this just this time goes by fast. I always tell people that, and it really does. So I wasn't able to cover the Davidic covenant or the new covenant. So let's do this. Let's come back next week. I'll do a quick review on what we talked about today, and then we will dive into the Davidic covenant and the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Oh, man, just know this as we end today. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. He died for me. He died for everyone in this world. Why? To save us from our sins, to save us from the wrath of God, and to give us forgiveness, to give us his love, his mercy, his grace, his favor, to give us eternal life. And so I want to encourage you this morning to put your faith in Jesus, put your trust in Jesus if you haven't done so already. How do I do that? Well, just talk to him. He's there. He's with you. His arms are wide open. And just pray something like, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I turn from my sinful ways. I turn to you, and I ask you to forgive me. 
and be the Lord of my life. I confess, Jesus, that you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. You ascended to the Father in heaven, and one day you're coming back. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Help me to live for you day by day. Fill me with your spirit. You know, just call out to him something like that. Just, he, he will meet you right where you're at. So don't think, well, what if I pray right now? Just talk to him. He knows us. He gets us. He'll meet you right where you're at. He'll forgive you. He'll save you. And then I encourage you, contact another believer who's living for Jesus, somebody who's who loves the Lord and, and who can encourage you and, and encourage you on what to do next. And if you don't have anybody to call, call us at Love and Action, 334-494-4995. Or you can email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. That's the quickest way to get a get a response back. It's ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. But if you call, leave a message, and I'll definitely call you back. Jesus loves you. And for those who are a believer, tell others about them. Be a Great Commission Christian by going and making disciples. I encourage you to do that. Live for him. Show others his love. Tell others about him. Oh, he's... He, he's so awesome. We, we have to talk about him. There's nothing else better to talk about. I know it's football season. I enjoy football as much as the, the next big football fan. But I tell you what, football doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. So let's tell people about him. God bless you. Thank you all for joining me today. I pray you all have a wonderful week coming up. And I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.